Well, hello everyone, and welcome to Reading Through the Bible with Elder Linda. I just want to say Happy New Year to everyone, and I trust that everyone had a wonderful Christmas, because we know Christmas is a time when we celebrated the birth of, of Jesus. We know he wasn't necessarily born on Christmas Day, but that's the day we celebrate him. Amen? So, uh, I hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas. So, I'm so glad you joined me. Uh, please give me a thumb up or subscribe to the channel. Uh, I'd be really grateful if you did that for me. But today, <clears throat> we're going to uh, read chapter 13 and discuss uh, some of the events in chapter 13. We're going to talk about Abraham and Lot and the fact that they were rich. We're going to talk about um, how Abraham and Lot finally parted, parted their ways and what made them part their ways. Uh, we're also going to talk about how God renewed the promise to Abraham once he separated from Lot. Uh, and then we will discuss uh, how we might need to separate from some people that might be causing us to miss out on our blessing. Amen. So that's going to be something we're going to talk about. And then also we're going to end with chapter 14. We're going to read chapter 14 and start with uh, discussing some of the events of chapter 14. Not sure how far we're going to get that get with that, but we're going to let the Holy Spirit lead us and uh, we might get to it. We might not. We'll see. Amen. So let's just start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We honor you. We praise you. We appreciate you, oh God. Father, we thank you that we made it through 2021. Holy Spirit, we just pray that we've learned all the lessons that you wanted to teach us through 2021. Father, and we look forward to this new year. 2022. Holy Spirit, we just asking that you would bless us, oh God, that you would continue to teach us and show us your ways. Father, this will be a new beginning for your people, oh God, a new beginning, a new start, that the old things have passed away. All things have become new. Father, we thank you for another day to praise your name and to study your word. You be the teacher on tonight, and we give you all the praise, honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. So happy 2022. All right, so let's just start with uh, jumping right in, start with chapter 13. And we're in the uh, New Living Translation uh, for those that, that um, are just joining us. And I, I kind of go back and forth. I do like the King James Version when I'm studying because I like to, because they're pretty close to the original. But I like the uh, New Living Translation when it comes to explaining uh, the Bible and teaching it. Uh, but we're going to be reading out the New Living Translation starting in Genesis chapter 13. It says, so Abraham left Egypt and traveled north into Negev along with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages toward Bethel, and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai, where they had camped before. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar, and there he worshiped the Lord again. So here we have Abraham worshiping God again. Lot who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and many tents. 
But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the, the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. So we got some other people living in, in the land that they're going to. Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our, or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land to the right. If you prefer the land to the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zor. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. And this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 11, Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan. So here we have Lot that went to Sodom, Abram went to Canaan. And Lot moved his tents to, play, to a place near Sodom, actually, and settled among the cities of the plain. Verse 13. But the people of this area were extremely wicked. Mm, take note of that. And constantly sinned against the Lord. They're talking about the people of the Sodom area where Lot just decided to move. Verse 14. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I am giving all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants. Other translations say you and your seed. As a permanent possession. And I will, verse 16, and I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. And there he built another altar to the Lord. Amen. So that was chapter 13. And just a few things you want to bring out of chapter 13. Uh, first thing I want you to notice is the fact that both Abraham and Lot are rich. And again, God wants us to be in good health and to prosper. This is what he wants for his people. Abraham left Egypt and he went back to Bethel where he had previously set up an altar and he again worshiped the Lord. And the King James Version states that Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. So in other words, when you call upon the name of the Lord, that means he was talking about God. He was preaching about God. He was boldly proclaiming the Lord. And, and think about it, the previous chapter is where uh, Abraham and um, Sarai were um, afraid in Egypt about losing their life because Sarah was so beautiful and the king of Egypt wanted her. So they had just went through that whole ordeal. So Abraham, I'm sure, is very grateful 
and have a lot of praise in his heart for the fact that God has saved his life and saved the, the life of his wife, Sarah. Verse five, it says, Lot tells us that Lot had become very rich also. So they were so rich that now their herdsmen are beginning to fight with one another because it's not enough uh, land to cover all the sheep and the goats and the cattle that uh, Abram have, as well as the cattle that Lot has. So the herdsmen are starting to argue. So uh, Abraham told him, he says, well, look, why don't we do this? He says, you just look out and choose whatever land you want to go to, and I'll take the opposite. If you choose right, I'll go left. If you choose left, I'll go right. And Abraham is, is free in this because just think about it. He's seen how God has taken care of him, even when he made mistakes, even when he didn't tell the whole truth. When he was in Egypt, he saw how God still protected him. So I think Abraham is starting to get the idea that God is with me. So it doesn't matter which way, you, which side you choose, I'm going to be okay. So he was allowing Lot to choose first. Uh, in verse 8 through 13, uh, Abraham, uh, Lot chose Sodom. Lot chose to go into the fertile land of Sodom and he chose the best looking land because Sodom supposedly was beautiful, it was fertile, it was luscious, it was green, and this was before the judgment had fallen. So it, was, it, looked, it looked beautiful. And so since he chose Sodom, Ab Abram settled for Canaan land. He was going to go the, the way of Canaan. And in verse 13, remember I told you to take note of that, Sodom was already described as, let's read it again, but the people of this area were extremely wicked. I mean, it didn't even say they were just wicked. Here, the translation said they were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. So Lot is going to a bad area that uh, that he's going to regret later, but he's going to a very bad area. In verses 14 through 17, let's note that after Lot left, um, then God began to reiterate the promise to Abram again. Because if you think about it, when when, it, when God first gave Abram the promise, he said, leave your, your country, your relatives, and uh, everything you know, and come to, go to a place where I will show you. That was in uh, Genesis chapter 12. So the Lord said to Abraham, 12 verse 1, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to a land that I will show you. So he's supposed to leave all his relatives, but Lot decided to tag along and didn't kind of didn't leave him. So now uh, we have that they're separating. Abraham is finally going to be separated from all his relatives. Lot was the finally the final attachment that he had, and God told him, uh, reiterate the promise to him. He says, "I will give." He God told him, "I will give your descendants." I will give all this land to you and your descendants. And that was including the land that Lot had just chosen. And God also told him, said, your descendants will be as numerous as the dust on the earth and the sand. In other words, there will be so many descendants that came from Abram that he wouldn't be able to count them. And remember, we talked about this was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who was a descendant of Abram. And through Jesus Christ, there are so many Christians in the world that have come to know the Lord, uh, who have given their life to Christ. With all of those are attributed to being part of the seed of Abram. So his seed is 
so many that you can't count. We don't even know all the Christians that are all over the place. But a prerequisite for receiving the promises was that Abraham was to leave his relatives. I just want to stress that. And now that Lot was separated from him, God tells Abraham more about the promise. So sometimes we have to be open to the fact, even in our own personal lives, that sometimes we have to separate ourselves from certain people. Everybody's not good for you. Our relationships are not good for you. And God is so awesome. He's so mighty that sometimes he will allow situations to happen that'll cause you to part from certain people. And sometimes we're so hard-headed and, and we don't want that relationship to end. But God, when God severs a relationship, he does it for a reason. Um, that relationship was not going to be good for you. or God, Because God sees the beginning from the end. So he knew where that relationship was going. So um, there is a, a saying that I put on my refrigerator, um, you know, because even, even when you're in a relationship and it doesn't work out, if, you know, if you, you, you thought you were supposed to be with a, a woman and it didn't work out, you thought that this man was for you and it didn't work out. And one thing that, that I had learned from, I don't even know where I learned it from, but I put it on my refrigerator and I would encourage you to write it down and put it somewhere. But the statement is that you were rejected for your protection. So whenever there's a situation come where you don't get it, or maybe it's a job that you didn't get that God allowed you to uh, not uh, be selected for, reject it for your protection. God knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows what's the best thing for you. So if you didn't get the job, it was not going to be good for you. If you didn't get the man or the woman, they were not going to be good for you. So you have to trust that God has your best interest in mind when he separates you from certain people. And, and sometimes you just have to separate to get the fullness of your blessing, to get all that God has for you. He might have to sever some ties. So Abraham went to Hebron, verse 18, and he built another altar to the Lord. And he worshiped. Abraham was worshiping in public. He was not hiding uh, he was not ashamed of God. So uh, we need to be the same way, you know, proclaim the goodness of God. Tell people about your testimony and, and do it decently and in order. Uh, because, uh, and, and when I'm saying that, I'm talking about, like, for instance, if you're on a job and you're supposed to be doing your job, okay, it's not decently in order for you to be preaching the word and you're not doing your job. Okay, you should do your job. Do things decently in order. God is a God of order. But God will give you opportunities where you can proclaim his name. And I'm thinking of an, an incident that happened uh, with me. Um, my job, of course, you know, you, you're not supposed to go around preaching about uh, God or the Holy Spirit. So I would put plaques on my wall and stuff that I put in my own office, uh, you know, to represent God. Because I think one plaque I had on the wall said, um, uh, Jesus stretched out his arms and he died for you. And, and you know, so I had little things like that. But I wasn't going around preaching about Christ unless someone, you know, brought it up because I was respecting what the job had, um, some of the rules of the job. And I really had a desire to share my testimony and for people to know about Jesus. And I wanted to do it decently and in order. And But God will open the door for you when he wants, when he's ready for you to speak. And if that's your heart, heart's desire, he's going to make a way for you to do that. And um, we had a... Um, a meeting of all the officers that were 
uh, from all around the country came to uh, came to Detroit. And um, someone came up to me, one of my fellow coworkers came up to me and asked me if I would speak on the last day of the gathering um, about uh, speak about Jesus, speak about God. I was honored, uh, didn't really know how much they knew about my relationship with the Lord, but it shows you that people are watching you and that when God opens a door for you to walk in it, I was honored and I was I was blessed and I just prayed and asked God to, to have his way. So it turns out I think I had 10 minutes at the most to uh, to share with them. And how many people know God can do an awful lot in 10 minutes? God can do a lot in five minutes. God can do a lot in one minute. But uh, we had uh, 10 minutes and the Holy Spirit came in, did what he wanted to do. And I was just honored that they even asked me. So I'm upset sharing that with you to say that when God wants you to share him, when he wants you to, uh, he will open the door. He will open the door and make a way for you to do that. So decently and in order, Abraham was not afraid to talk about God. And he talked about God every chance he got uh, when he made his offerings. And also notice that Abraham is still living in tents. He's still a foreigner in this land, um, this land that God's going to give him to possess. All right, amen. So now let's go to, uh, let's read chapter 14. In chapter 14, it starts out, verse 1, it says, About this time, war broke out in the region. King, there's a lot of kings listed here. I don't know if I should even... Um, uh, do this to you because uh, I'm about to butcher these names. Okay, we're just going to do it just as once. Okay, King Amarafield of Babylonia. This is a war that's breaking out between these kings. King Iraq of Eleazar. King Kodolomar of Elam. King and King Tidal of Gom. Fought against King Bera of Sodom. King Bersha of Gomorrah. King Shinab of Adma and King uh, Shimabar of Zeboim, and the King of Bela, also called Zor. So those are a lot of kings' names. But basically, there are four kings that are fighting against five kings. Verse 3 said, This second group of kings, this included Sodom, where Lot is living at in Gomorrah, joined forces in Sedum Valley, that is the Valley of the Dead Sea, because for 12 years, they had been subjected to King Kota Lamar. But in the 13th year, they rebelled against him. So you have these four kings that had subjected these five other kings to them. And they, they were paying this to uh, paying tribute to this Kador Lamar. But they had did that for 12 years. They were in, in bondage to them for 12 years. In the 13th year, the five kings rebelled against uh, Kadalamar. So verse five, one year, one year later, so it took Kadalamar about a whole year to get, his, get all his allies together to uh, go and fight against these five kings. One year later, Kadalamar and his allies arrived and defeated the Raphaites at Ashtaroth Canaan and Zuzats at Ham, the Emites at Shaba, Carthium, and the Horites at Mount Zir, as far as El Paran to the edge of the wilderness. Verse 7. Then they turned back and came to En Mizpah, now called Kadesh, and conquered all the territory of the Amalekites and also the Amorites living in 
Hazazon Tamar. Then the rebel kings, that's the five of them, of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adam, and Zobim, and Belai, called Zor, prepared for battle in the valley of the Dead Sea. They fought against King Kadalaram of Elam, King Tidal of Golam, uh, King Amraphel of Babylonia, and the King Ariok of Eleazar. Four kings against five. Verse 10. As it happened, the valley of the Dead Sea was filled with tar pits. And as the army, and tar pits is like a slimy, uh, slimy substance. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. And as the army of the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into the tar pits. I think other translations call them slime pits. While the rest escaped into the mountains, the victorious, verse 11, invaders then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and headed for home, taking with them all the spoils of war and the food supplies. Verse 12, they also captured Lot, hmm, Abraham's nephew who lived in Sodom and carried off everything he owned. Verse 13, but one of Lot's men escaped and reported everything to Abram, the Hebrew, who was living near the oak grove belonging to Mamre, the Amorite. Mamre and his relatives, Ishkal and Aner, were Abram's allies. When Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men who had been born into his household. Then he pursued Condolomar's army until he caught up with them at Dan. There he divided his men and attacked during the night. Condolomar's army fled, but Abram chased them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus, verse 16. Abram recovered all the goods that had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and other captives. Verse 17, after Abram returned from his victory over Kedorlamar and all his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Sheba. This is the king's valley. Verse 18, and Melchizedek, the king of Salem and a priest of God most high, brought Abraham some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram and with this blessing. Blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. Verse 21, the king of Sodom said to Abram, give back my people who were captured but you may keep for yourself all the goods you have recovered. Abram replied to the king of Sodom. Listen to his reply. I solemnly swear to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will not take so much as a single thread or sandal thong from what belongs to you. Otherwise, you might say, and this is why he's not going to take it, you might say, I am the one who made Abram rich. I will accept only what my young warriors have already eaten, and I request that you give a fair share of the goods to my allies, Aner, 
Ishkal and Mamre. Amen. So it's a lot in that chapter. So we're only going to get started with it just a little. Uh, but there's there's war between nine kings. It's four on one side, five on the other side. The, the four kings are the ones that have had dominion over the five kings for 12 years. And after 12 years, the five kings decided that they were going to rebel against, they didn't want to keep paying this Kodalamar and they're going to rebel against him. So they rebelled in the 13th year after they had been in bondage them for 12 years. And then um, it talks about the Dead Sea. I want to, some information about the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea, and they're talking about that in verse 3. Uh, is near where they were fighting and they um, fell into um, the tar pits and whatever. But the Dead Sea is the same as the Salt Sea. So you might see those words interchangeable, Dead Sea and the Salt Sea. And per the NIV Bible, uh, this sea consists of 25% of salt, which made it the densest or the thickest sea on earth. It is located between Israel and Jordan in southwestern Asia. And according to the Britannica.com, um, it's called the Dead Sea because nothing can live in it. Fish could not live in this sea. So that's what, where it gets its name. So verse 5. Now remember, they, they were in bondage for 12 years, these five kings, paying tribute. Uh, they rebelled the 13th year. So it took Kadalamar a whole year to get all his forces together. But in the 14th year, he attacked. And because he wants to, he, he don't like not, he don't like losing his money, obviously, because they're, they're not paying tribute to him anymore. So he attacked them and he won and he captured them, uh, captured Lot and, and every, and all his, uh, possessions and just, just plundered the place. Um, they were fighting and, and, and it said that the, um, Sodom and Gomorrah, they were slipping and sliding in the tar pits. The tar pits, I said, we we're going to talk about that in verse 10. This is referring to asphalt-like material that was naturally present. The King James Version says, said slime pits, which we mentioned that. Other commentaries indicate that this was bitumen, B-I-T-U-M-E-N. This was material used to make roads and construction. Bitumen, B-I-T-U-M-E-N. According to the new manners and customs of the Bible, Bitumen was naturally occurring mixtures of hydrocarbons such as petroleum, asphalt, and tar, but that were used as mortar to cement bricks together. The slime or the tar literally bubbled up from the ground in ancient Babylon. And this is what they were using to build the Tower of Babel. So if you wonder how they got those bricks to get to, to stick together, this is what they were using when they were building that tower. So in verse 13, the, per the Nelson Study Bible, uh, we see the word Hebrew when um, Abraham is called the Hebrew. It says, and one of Lot's men escaped and reported everything to Abraham, the Hebrew. Uh, this is the first time Abraham was referred to as this. Uh, and it had its origins in Genesis chapter 10, verse 25. It came from the word Eber. But Abraham is considered the father of the Hebrews, according to commentary from Genesis 14, 13. Originally, this word Hebrew uh, was considered a negative term. Uh, one of the negative uh, places we can find that, that is in Genesis chapter 39, verse 14 and 17, when Potiphar's wife, and we, we haven't gotten there yet, but we're going to get there. 
But when Potiphar's wife uh, accused Joseph of trying to do something to her, and and the way she referred to him, she said, that Hebrew. So she was, you know, very negative. It was a negative connotation. Per the National Study Bible commentary, uh, the word Hebrew is related to a verb meaning to cross over or pass through. So remember, Abraham is living in tents, so he is passing through. Uh, Hebrew, the word Hebrew was considered uh, a propertyless and a, a dependent immigrant. So it was, you know, it wasn't looked at originally as a good term when it was first uh, given. Um, so Lot and all his family and his goods were taken. In verse 13, one of God, Lot's men escaped and told Abraham. Now, verse 14, know here how well off and how rich Abraham was. He had 318 trained men working for him that he trained in his household. These were warriors who had been born in his household and he was able to get them together. Plus he had allies. He had Mamre, Ishka, and Anner. So just to re recap, as, as we close here, the five rebel kings tried to fight Kadalamar and the other kings. Uh, it was four of them, but, um, but they were defeated at the Dead Sea. They fled and many of them were taken as captives, including Lot and all his possessions. And of course, one of Lot's people escaped and told Abraham. Abraham went and uh, attacked Kadalamar, him with his uh, allies and his 318 men. And he, during the night, he gained and he gained the victory. Kadalamar uh, ended up running for his life, and Abraham recovered all that he all that had been taken, including Lot and the women and the captives and all their possessions. So, amen. So God will give us the victory. How many people know we have victory in Jesus? I don't care who comes against us or who fights against us. Uh, the end of the story is we win. Uh, in Revelation, said they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives to the death. So no matter what you're going through right now, whatever battle you are in, the end of the matter is we are going to win. So we're just basically going through the motions and just uh, sitting back and watching what God does, you know, uh, sit back and watch how God, uh, wins the battle for you because he won it here for, uh, Abraham and he's going to win every battle we face. We are victorious. Amen. So I want to end with that tonight that just that you need to know that you're victorious. God has given you the victory. You cannot be defeated because you belong to him. You might get knocked down, but you're going to get back up again. Amen. Amen. So I would like for you to, um, anybody that does not know Christ uh, as your Lord and Savior, um, please go on my channel and uh, review the sinner's prayer where uh, it'll be explained to you and a prayer that leads you to Christ. And then once you are led to Christ, go on the channel again for, um, uh, there's a teaching on there about teaching about salvation. So you can learn all the information about salvation and experience that you just, uh, entered into. Amen. So next week we are going to finish up with chapter 14. So let's just close in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for this teaching. Lord, I pray that you would seal what we've learned to our hearts, oh God. Father, that we can become, Lord, even teachers of your word. Everyone that's listening, oh God, let your word become real to us, oh God. Not just words in a book or words on a page, oh God, but cause it to be real to us. Father, I ask that you bless each one that listened and bless us, Lord God, even as we do our, our rest of our things that we have to do today, God. And we give you all the praise and all the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. I will see you next week.